because I know, Lord, that I've done things that displeased you, Father. Whether there was a thought, a word, deed, even I get lukewarm in my own condition, Father. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. And we approach you, Lord, through that blood, that precious blood that you shed for us. And Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, you've heard those prayer requests that have been made known unto you, Father. And Lord, the scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he who fearfully and wonderfully made the body, those that are sick, those that are afflicted in that body, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would go to them and you would give them a healing touch, Father. And you would just rise them off of their condition, Father. Or even just take their faith to that level, Lord Jesus, where they can grab a hold of that promise in your word that says, I am the Lord thy God that healeth all thy diseases. And Father, as we get ready to hear from you, we would ask that you would just come and step behind that veil of flesh. Move aside the man's thoughts and bring us what you would have us to hear, Lord Jesus. And may those words go forth, Lord God. And may they not return unto thee void, but may it accomplish that which was spoken and may it prosper, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to draw nearer unto thee, to be more conformed into your image, for that hour is late, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, to shed those things that get in your way, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Let's just switch the key up to E-flat. I am the God that he loveth thee. I am the Lord, your in my word and healed your disease I am the Lord your healer you are the Lord that he let me you are the my healer, you sent your word and healed my disease. You are the Lord, my healer, and you are the Save my soul, you are the Lord, my Savior, and you sent your word and forgave all my sins. You are the Lord, my Savior, and I am the God that He led thee. 
my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. Just sing like this now. And I am the Lord that saved your soul. I am the Lord, your Savior. I sent my word, I sent my word and forgave all your sins. presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face, and surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, surely the presence of the Lord is in place I can feel his mighty power and his grace I can hear the brush of angels wings I see glory on each face and the presence of the Lord is in this place. Just sing it and stand now, if you would. Oh, now surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can his mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face and surely the presence would come forward at this time if you would just continue to play that softly brother Matt as they come forward
name. Brother Chris, if you would, just pray over him. sing us as uh, Brother Barry comes this evening. Oh, we exalt Thee. Oh, we exalt Thee. God still moves in the heart of his people. God still moves. Let's sing it tonight and let's just open our hearts to him in prayer and uh, just look into him tonight. Whatever your need is, I believe that uh, God is able. Do you believe that? Amen. 
God still moves. God still moves in the hearts of His people. God still moves. He does not Does he slumber? But God still moves. Yes, God still moves. One more time now. God still moves. God still In the hearts of His people, God still moves. He does not sleep, nor does He slumber, but God still God still moves. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would just move on the on the people tonight, Lord, and on our assembly. Lord, move upon our hearts and our minds that, Lord, you might impress upon us the thing that you would have for us tonight. And Lord, we know that sometimes just a word from you is all that all that we need. It, it, it just makes such a difference, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just come, Lord, I pray, and just move among us tonight. And Lord, may we, may we be like vessels, Lord, that you can flow through and you can just deposit something, Lord. Maybe, maybe just a sentence or two, Lord, might be ordained for somebody tonight, Lord, but may we get it, may we catch it, and Lord, may we embrace it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to have a heart, Lord, that is just open to you and what you would uh, have for us, Lord, how you would direct us and lead us and challenge us in the faith in this hour. And, Lord, we ask now that you would just take complete control. Forgive us, Lord, of anything that would be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that you would minister to those who are sick tonight and those who need your healing touch. Father, you are good, and Lord, with you there's no shadows, there's no doubts, there's no wondering, Lord, whether this is right or not. Lord, we believe your word is true, absolutely true, and heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart, and we ask now that you would just come and speak to us in a personal way. In the blessed and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. And all the bride said... Amen. God bless you. Let's take your Bibles tonight. Let's go in the Old Testament to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. And we're going to read in chapter 2. <clears throat> so we'll give you a moment just to find that uh, there. And I will say uh, this evening, welcome to all of you to the house of the Lord. Good to have the Smiths here and uh, just each and every one. May God bless you. Uh, we, are honor- we are honored uh, always that uh, you know you came on a Wednesday night to be with us. Uh, also, too, just uh, as a note, we have uh, 
uh, we have our dinner coming up on October 23rd. There is a list of, uh, a list of instructions, if you like, for uh, some of the events that we're going to have in the afternoon. We're going to have a dinner and then we're going to have some events in the afternoon. It's not going to be a full scale harvest day, but it's going to be a scale down harvest day. And uh, we're going to have the pie contest and so forth. You better believe we have the pie contest. And uh, so the rules are all, uh, I, I sent you uh, an attachment today. Did you get the attachment? Did it come as an attachment? Did anybody get the attachment today? <sighs> we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll send you another email with the attachment. And there are some printed copies that are in the library there. So uh, you're welcome to pick one up if you like. Same thing. I'll email it to you, but there's some in the, in the library there for you. And it'll give you some directions and instructions about the things that we're going to do on that Sunday. Now, on that Sunday, we're going to come dressed as we normally dress for church. And then we're going to do a switch, if you like to do a switch, into clothes that are appropriate for a harvest dinner. Okay? So that is not this uh, Sunday, but the following one after that on the 23rd. All right, if you have your Bible open now to the book of Habakkuk, we're looking in here uh, where Habakkuk writes, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated tonight. So we're going to title this tonight, Men of Vision. And uh, I'm not going to preamble a whole lot, but just to say this, uh, two things. And and one of them is that I had put down... Put down a little uh, note about Sister Connie, and I didn't know whether uh, Brother Troy and Sister Connie were going to be here tonight, but uh, she has troubles with her spine, and they gave her an injection, and uh, the injection didn't really take hold, and so she has a constant discomfort uh, with her spine and the degenerative process there. So if you don't mind, uh, let's remember Sister Connie uh, in prayer and just hold her up because... Uh, that's a difficult thing. When you have a problem with your back or your spine, you're reminded of it no matter what you do. Uh, whether you're sitting, standing, sleeping, no matter what you do, you're always reminded of it. I need three of you guys to volunteer for Saturday to help me with the tea. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. And uh, Lincolnton, I believe, is also going to do it as well. So I appreciate you volunteering. So the ladies' tea is on Saturday afternoon. Now, there's one thing that I wanted to mention here just just prior to starting this. And uh, there are some things that are happening in the world uh, that are of interest uh, to me prophetically. And I watch, the, you know, I watch uh, and, and look at headlines and you look at things that are uh, online. And uh, th- there's a lot of things in there that don't matter or they're big today and small tomorrow. Uh, and a lot of that is uh, just a news cycle. And we, we're kind of used to the fact that uh, you know, the news cycle comes and goes. But modern events are made clear by prophecy, right? Modern events are not made clear by CNN. They're made clear by prophecy. And so when you look at it through that lens, it helps you understand a little bit 
about what's significant and what's not. And I just wanted to say that uh, Brother Branham made several statements like this uh, that, uh, that I wanted to just uh, share with you. And we're, we're, we have uh, people in our world today who are leaders in our world today who are throwing around the word Armageddon. Uh, these are uh, the president of the United States, and we're talking about uh, the language of nuclear war by the president of Russia. And uh, talking about Armageddon, uh, to me, is no minor thing. Uh, that's a major prophecy that has to unfold and take place uh, according to the scripture. And so, therefore, uh, it, to me, it's a significant thing when, when nations are using that phrase. And it's one thing if we use the phrase, that would make sense. But when they're using that phrase, uh, even if they're not exactly predicting it, but they're talking about it, that got my attention. And so uh, just uh, obviously we're just watching uh, the events that are taking place where uh, nations are struggling, nations at war. And uh, in Ukraine, uh, the people, the believers there that I know, they're telling me that they're expecting a surge uh, in activity here in the months upcoming. Because of many of those people that were in Russia that were recruited will eventually be put into service in the next month or two, and they say it's going to be uh, quite a quite a difficult time, quite a squeeze uh, for them in the country there. And uh, I was going back and looking at uh, some things that Brother Branham said in the Uniting Time and Sign, and he said, as the churches uh, through denominations, he said, turn down the word, communism is forming to destroy it, just exactly like Titus did in A.D. 70, right, in the book of Acts. Brother Bram makes this comparison now. It's not me making it. He's making the comparison. He said there's something forming that is going to respond just like Titus showed up to respond to something that happened in Jerusalem among the people. And that was the people in that day rejected Christ. They rejected the word for their day, right? And it was a significant rejection. They rejected the Messiah that they had waited for for 4,000 years. And so here's Brother Branham. He's drawing this comparison that uh, there's something that's forming in the earth. Uh, he said just exactly the same way. God has, God has a tool that he can use on a nation or the world that rejects the word made manifest for their day in a significant cycle of time. And the Bible said they would. Nations are breaking for the time uh, that we see now. They're supposed to do this. And we're in the process of national disturb. That's the way he says it. We're in the process of national disturb. When you think about, uh, you know, d- changes in the economy or changes in oil prices or um, economies that are collapsing or, uh, you know, different struggles that go on internationally, we're in a process of national disturbance, and, and we are, right? We don't, need to, we don't need to spend time on that. And we see the nations are breaking relationship. Year by year, we find this being swallowed up in communism. In our own nation, it's honeycombed with communism, and it will take over. Now, this is 1963, right? And he's speaking about events in 1963, uh, which are significant because that's a, a time when Bay of Pigs has happened, and uh, there's, there's threats of atomic warfare that's gone on, and this is a hot button, if you like, in 1963. But Brother Branham's observing something, and he says, in our own nation, it's honeycombed with communism, and it will take over. See, it'll do it, no way of stopping it. Why? The same reason you couldn't stop Titus. 
Why couldn't they stop Titus? Because God raised up Titus and his army to march against Jerusalem to fulfill something and to, uh, to bring vengeance against uh, Jerusalem because they rejected Christ in their day. And the same reason you couldn't stop Titus, in other words, you won't stop this cycle of, uh, of, of trouble that's coming for our world, the Gentile world. And the people has rejected God and his word and see they're going to do it. We see it right in process. So even though it, it doesn't happen all at once, it is in process. And when a prophet says it's in process, there are things that are happening some, very often below the radar that, that need to happen in order to build to a place where all of a sudden Titus shows up. And Jesus said, you should pray. Uh, you remember what he said about that? You should pray to us, not in winter and you're not with child during that time and so forth because there's going to need to be a quick escape. If you're going to get away from that, you're going to need to make a quick, quick escape. And so if that's, that's the thing that uh, a prophet is looking at, that Titus would come, uh, it, it kind of reminds us of what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right? He said it'll come like a thief in the night. And he said you're not going to stop it. So in other words, there's something uh, about this whole idea of communism in whatever way he saw it, and I don't want to put words in Brother Ram's mouth, but whatever way he saw it that will exist to bring the judgment that God hands out to nations and peoples that reject the word made manifest in a serious time. And we live in a serious time. Would you agree? That's my sobering thought for today. That is, to me, that's something that uh, is, is a critical thing because the headlines may tell you something different. In other words, if Russia's pushed back and communism is kind of put on the back burner, they're not as influential as they were, there still has to be something that is characterized by communism or communistic thinking that will emerge like Titus, and it's unstoppable, that God will use against people who reject the word. So uh, just something to keep in mind, because what you're looking at there, when Brother Bam says that nations break relationship, all of a sudden there was a headline today, just a little one that I heard on the radio coming down, and it said that the U.S. is considering an arms embargo against Saudi Arabia. You won't find it on the headlines of any of the websites there, but they're actually considering uh, an arms embargo against Saudi Arabia. Now, one of the reasons that Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have been friendly over the years is partly because of oil, but also because the U.S. sells a lot of weapons and planes especially uh, to Saudi Arabia for defense of its own nation in that part of the world. All the nations in that part of the world want to use oil money to buy lots of weapons so they can protect themselves. And a month ago or so, or a couple of months ago, our president was over in Saudi Arabia trying to uh, shore up relationships with him. And then all of a sudden, here's, here they are breaking the relationship and uh, threatening to uh, limit production of oil so that the prices go up and so forth, which indirectly aids Russia in their war effort. It's all uh, kind of complicated. It's all connected, interconnected and so forth. But all I'm saying to you is that this, that Brother Branham describes those things coming on, and here he is in 1963 talking about things that are happening today. That's all I'm saying. That these are there are some things that are worth kind of watching in the in the uh, on the back burner and uh, see where it goes. And it's very interesting to watch those things. Now, <clears throat> let's take a a, a little. Uh, uh, what I want to do tonight is just develop a little principle with you 
uh, about divine order, and then we're going to apply it uh, in a character in the New Testament. And let me ask you this before we go any further. If you could relate to any person uh, in the Scripture, if you could identify, like, that's my, that's my man, that's my uh, person that I look up to, or the person that I, if I, if I could be like anybody in the Bible, who would I be like? I want you to think about that and hold on to uh, to that person's image in your mind just for a moment, okay? If you could think about any person in the scripture, man or woman, that you would like to be like, that you would like to emulate and be like, outside of Christ. Obviously, we'd all, we're all being trained to be Christ-like, but some individual or character in the scripture, who would it be? Now, <clears throat> Brother Brand, or sorry, Brother Brand, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So Paul had the care of many churches under his uh, ministry, and he said that God is not uh, an author of confusion in those churches, and so therefore let the women keep silence in the church, for it is not per- permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Now you remember, I've told you before, this is a situation where uh, there is no place or no ministry, no divine permission given for women to take a place uh, of leadership or ministry in the church, and so therefore Paul says, we have no direction at all to go forward with that. So therefore, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. He said, what came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues, and let all things be done decently and in order. So no matter, and Paul is outlining all kinds of things here related to ministry or gifts or the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church and the way the church is conducted, he said let all things be done decently and in order. Obviously, and this would be obvious to us, that whatever way you conduct your business, let it be in a way that the Holy Spirit's always pleased with that and he's got something to bless. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of elementary for us. In your life, God is interested in you doing things in order, or if we could paraphrase it, in, in a way that God can bless and God can honor and God can uh, use that thing, right? So, for instance, if you, uh, if you pay your tithes, you, you've opened up a channel where God can take that and bless you for it because that's the promise in Scripture. He says, you bring your tithes to the storehouse, I'll open up a, a window in heaven and pour out a blessing such as you probably would not even be able to contain, right? So you, you do something and you do it in the light and, and in harmony with God's word and you watch what God does as a result of that. So this is the idea that all things should be done decently and they should be done in order. Without question, this is how uh, the church of God should run. So I read this statement here, I thought it was worth repeating. I think the greatest gift that God ever gave a man is not the gift of sight, natural sight, but the gift of vision. For sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. You can lose your natural vision. But when you have a vision that's given by God, that stays with you no matter whether you have good eyes or not, right? And the greatest gift that God gives is the gift of vision. And that's what, uh, that's what Habakkuk is, is, uh, uh, encouraging here tonight in the scripture. He said, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth. Now, give me a moment now, just for a moment here with this idea of order, divine order, just for a few minutes here and then we'll apply it. 
Brother Branham said, I believe that you're saved by accepting Jesus Christ. And water baptism is an outward expression to show that something inwardly has happened. How many believe that? It's real simple. And I'll just use this as a preamble here. He said, because water has no virtue, it's just a symbol. And you say, well, then why do you recall people to be rebaptized? And this was something that was a big thing to Brother Branham, especially when he began, when he, when he started out in ministry and he was converted and he began to go back to the scripture like a prophet would. God began to deal with his heart to make sure that he was lining up with scripture because he couldn't come to the world with a ministry that was, uh, that was contradictory. So therefore, He's, he's paraphrasing the question, why do you recall the people to be rebaptized? He said, it's because I'm following the pattern of the beginning. And we can't lose that blueprint. So you remember, Brother Manham, when he got beyond the curtain of time, uh, he was very proud of the fact that whatever Paul said, that's the same thing that he said. Right? There was a match between the first age messenger and the last age messenger. The teaching of the first and the teaching of the last. Those things were, uh, those things were a match. And Brother Branham was delighted with that because if, if Paul found acceptance with God back then, then Brother Branham said, hey, well then, you know what? I'll find acceptance as well because I'm saying exactly the same thing that he said. So therefore God had to take his individual life and move it in line with the pattern of the beginning. And that was in the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was one of the things. And then of course women preachers and all the other things that Brother Branham stood for in the early days of his ministry. He said in the rapture, he says, now David knew better than that. Nathan was in the land in that day and he wasn't even consulted at all. He consulted captains of hundreds and thousands. And all the people shouted and danced, and they had all religious motion, but it wasn't in line and order of God's word, and it failed. And anything that's not in the line and order of God's word will fail. Anything that's not in the line and order of God's word will fail. So we could say at the outset here tonight that God's order is important, right? His, his way of doing things is paramount in the church. And anything that's done contrary to that is not going to prosper. It's not going to be successful at all. And Paul says, again, I'm being re- starting to be repetitive now, but he says uh, in the Colossian church, he said, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So the, the, the reason that the church is moving on, the reason that the church is blessed, is because they're aligning with, uh, they're aligning with the, the, the principles of Scripture. Now, it's easy to do that. We say, uh, you know, in a situation like this where everybody's listening and everybody's good. When you, whenever you have uh, conflict in the church, or whenever you have, say, uh, you know, some sort of a, a situation where somebody's trying to wrestle for the pulpit, uh, all of a sudden, if we're not careful... Or situations related to marriage and divorce. The moment as we see anything like that, and I'm not suggesting anything like that is present here. I'm, I'm genuinely not. But I'm saying that when everything is rolling along, uh, every, every, everybody's fine. You, you generally don't have any problem. You don't have to think about this at all. But when conflict comes or there's a disagreement comes or there's a doctrinal uh, issue that comes up, then... The moment we drop down to an emotional level and we, we, we fail or we stop to be thinking spiritual about it and going back and applying the word, all of a sudden now you have a human element in it and it can become really difficult. 
It can become really vicious. It can be almost as vicious as people who fight over inheritances. Man, I've seen some of the, I've told you before, I've seen some of the worst disagreements over inheritances uh, because people thought they were going to get something. Now, the, the, un, the unusual thing about inheritance is, is that if I have a million dollars, and I don't, but if I had a million and my four sons were the four uh, benefactors of my will, and, uh, you know, Peter and, and uh, Lucas are here tonight, and they said, you know what, we're the only two in HBT, so we feel like we should get uh, the whole million divided in two instead of four, because the other two good-for-nothings are not here. So we feel like we should get it, half million. Well, you know what? They can argue that out and they can hire lawyers and they can, they can do all kinds of things to contest that. But <clears throat> at the point where uh, I still have it, they don't have anything in their hand, right? It's, it's, it's not like, it, let's say the, the lawsuit was dismissed and because they, there was a little loophole, that was a little clause that was found in the will that says, if you contest this will, then you will be completely eliminated from the will and any benefits from it. How many know that that is a clause in certain wills? That uh, when, <laughs> certain wills are written so that uh, if, if you contest it at all, if you raise any argument or you, you uh, uh, counter this will, then you're excluded from it altogether. So they don't realize this, but they find out, oh, wow, now the attorney for the other side, the other two good-for-nothings, they, they point this out and say, you guys contested the will, so you get nothing. So they get a half million each. You know what? They would not have lost anything because they never had the half million in the first place. They never had the quarter million in the first place. But people feel like I've lost something. Well, they really haven't lost anything. They've lost the potential of something, Right? Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, I am suggesting that that would be a disappointment, but it's not like they're a half million or a quarter million dollars in debt because they haven't really lost anything. So I would need you to think about this, that when it comes to issues that are like within the church, it is really important for us to go back to the word every time, no matter what it is that takes place, no matter whether it's my family or your family, whether it, and, and let's say in a marriage and divorce issue, uh, you know, there's, there's a contest there or maybe a difference of opinion there, uh, something that is, is maybe uh, shadowy. Let me tell you, it's always really important to side with the principles that God has laid down because that's how the church moves on. Satan exists to slow the progress of the church in the same way that Satan exists to slow your progress. And he'll do everything he possibly can to take things out of order and to take your joy away. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, isn't it? Now, <clears throat> here's where I got my title, and I want you to uh, just bear with me a little bit. Jesus had done great things in his early days and in his early ministry, and he was misunderstood. As most everyone, did you ever come to think of it that most men who ever did anything for the kingdom of God stand alone? He said, you stand by yourself. Now, Brother Bram knew this. He, he understood this uh, by experience. And Jesus stood alone all down through the ages. Other men who stood alone, Finney and Sankey and Calvin and Knox and Abraham Lincoln. He said, men who do great things, men of vision, men of spiritual understanding, they often stand alone. Because many times, in a sense, they are ahead of the 
they're ahead of the crowd. They're, they're, they're looking ahead. They're looking in a, uh, in a sense, they're looking uh, into the vision. They're looking into the future almost with the things that God has laid upon their heart. And this is something that's burning within them and they're moving on. Very few people share that until that becomes manifest. And I think, Brother Bram said, that's because that Jesus had to stand alone himself. And the only way I know, Christian friends, to help you is to get your faith centered on the will of God for you. And if you can only see it's God's will to save you all, to heal you all, to lead you into deeper depths and higher heights, if you'll trust him. So think about this now. In order to be a man of vision, it only means that you can get to the place of trust with God, that he can show you things that he wants you to pursue. Right? If, if we'll trust him, and Brother Bram says, what I'm trying to do, he says, is lay things out by the word and get you centered on the will of God for you so that you can pursue the thing that God has for you, whether anybody else comes with me or not. Because men who are men of vision stand alone. People who are people of vision stand alone. So we don't have crowds of people following us. And we could say this church, in a sense, uh, you know, we stand alone among many churches that are in this community uh, because many of them are tied to a, a system or denomination or uh, a creed or belief or so on. Uh, we profess that we uh, we stand on the Word of God, right? And we, say we believe things according to the Scripture, and we follow that. And what God is trying to do is get you to the place where uh, you're, you're, you've got a vision of that and you've got a passion about that and God wants to move you forward. God wants to, uh, give you a, a full cup. Every time we gather together, God's got something for us. And He said He wants you to do that, lead you into deeper heights and, uh, deeper depths and higher heights to the place where we finally come. He's gonna take the bride off of here. And you can imagine now what it's gonna be like when the bride leaves here. What kind of shape the world's gonna be in by the time the world, by the time the bride leaves. Can imagine what, what nations will be doing to one another if they're doing this now, uh, by the time we get out of here. However long that'll take, but by the time we get out of here, I believe the world will be pretty chaotic. I believe the world will be a pretty dangerous place to live in. I believe the world, a lot of people will have a whole lot less hope than what they have now. They'll realize it's not an election that's going to save us. It's not an army that's going to save us. It's not nuclear superiority that's going to save us. And to the point where the Bible says, they'll even say, let the rocks and the mountains fall on us. Right? To hide us from the wrath that is to come. Because they realize this is not just Mr. Putin over there. This is not just the government. But this is actually the beast and the Antichrist. And this is all of this stuff that the Bible talked about and predicted. And you know what? We're kind of caught right in the, in the grip of it all. And we have no escape. And when you're in a place like that where there's no escape, my goodness, uh, that would just be a terrible place to be. But God is trying to single you out by vision or by, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, instruction of his word so that you can stand out. And he says in the last paragraph, don't be satisfied with your fire built here from last night, but let's build it a little farther up the road tonight and never build it in the same place. But he said, you can't stand still. You're either backsliding or you're going forward. He's talking about individually now, spiritually, that we're either going forward or backward. And sometimes you've got to sit there and make that assessment yourself and say, am I going forward or am I going backward? And Lord, help me if I'm not moving forward, if I'm not growing, and I'm not ascending, and I'm not building in character and growth and so on. Lord, take away those things that hinder me and move me on higher. Move me on to a better place. I don't want to remain here forever. Or let me learn the lessons I need to learn right here so I can move on to something better that you have in store for me. Because this is not it. This is not 
This is not the place that God intends for us to live. This is not the world that God uh, wanted you to live in forever. He's got a better place. He's got a better place than it's further up the road. So don't get content with this right here. Move on. Catch the vision that God has for you. And it's going to be based on the word of God. And listen to the word because that's where rapturing faith comes from. And move on up. Move on up. Every time God, uh, you know, signals you to ascend, move on up. The church ought to move on up. We as a body should move on up. The bride should be moving on up all over the world. And you as an individual, you should feel like, even though I'm less happy or less excited about where I am physically or mentally or emotionally, spiritually, I feel closer to God than I ever have. And that's what Brother Bam's encouraging us to do, and men of vision do that. Now, in, uh, in Mark chapter 4, and this is the lesson on how do we get anything more from God than what we have, he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. What you give out, that's the equivalent to what you shall receive. And unto you that hear, shall more be given. Unto you that hear, more shall be given. He's not just talking about the natural ear, right? But to you that hear and receive and believe and act on what you hear, more shall be given. So if you want to get more revelation from God, believe what you're hearing and act on that and watch God add more. That's what he's saying. For he that, for he that hath to him shall be given. He that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. So in Jesus' view, we're never standing still. You're either hearing and receiving and moving on with it, or what you have is actually being taken away. You don't use it, you lose it. Now here's the amplified. So let me say it a little louder. Then he said unto them, pay attention to what you hear by your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. By your own standard of measurement, it will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides. So listen, listen well, apply what you hear, Apply godly wisdom. And he says, more shall be given to you. For whosoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. It doesn't matter that you know everything. And it doesn't matter that you get everything right. It matters that you have a teachable heart. It doesn't matter that you're friends with this person or you're, uh, you know, you have a big church or small church. It doesn't matter at all. What God is looking for in every one of us is a teachable heart. Can I, can I reach that person? Can I, can I deal with that person? And let that person operate within the sphere of, uh, you know, the, the measure I've given to him. Because everybody's not called to preach and everybody's not called to be a, uh, you know, a, a deacon or a song leader or musician and so forth. Uh, no, everybody's got a different calling. But Paul is simply pointing out here that what God wants is a teachable heart. To him more understanding will be given. Whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken from him. So, in other words, there's a connection between what you hear and the more of that you want to hear. So, in other words, if we have a good service, then we should be coming back and say, Lord, I love that service. Let's have another one even greater next, next week, next Wednesday when we come. That ought to be our prayer. That ought, to be our, uh, that ought to be our heart. That ought to be something that we yearn for because we heard, I heard something good. I heard something that really blessed me. I heard something that stayed with me. Lord, increase that. Add to that. I want to hear more of that. 
And I'll tell you what, that's how the gift operates, right? Remember, Brother Bam said you're half the gift? That's how the gift operates. When you hear the right thing, you hear the good thing, and it just strikes a chord in your heart, and you, you know, you, you believe that, receive that, and you're yearning for more of that, let me tell you, that'll pull that right out of that preacher. That'll cause him to, uh, you know, move on, uh, in a way that maybe he never thought of at all. I, I, uh, well, let's hold on here. Hear ye him. Now, Brother Bam said, now, as this boy, as soon as he was a tiny baby, he was a son, and he had a tutor over him. He's talking about adoption here. Okay? And Brother Bam explaining adoption. And he says this tutor educated him and raised him. And in the Bible, Ephesians and Galatians, Paul speaks about it. And this tutor kept word to the father how the son was progressing. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing today in the church. How many believe that? So somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching uh, somebody else is watching our services, right? we got people online who are watching, and we have uh, the Holy Spirit is watching. He's present. And he said he's watching in the church. And that's why the church should be in order. The Holy Spirit's taken word back and forth to the Father, and he's the raiser. He's the tutor of the church, the individual, when it's born in the kingdom of God. Answer me this question. If the Holy Spirit is a tutor, he's the raiser of the church, of the individuals in the church when they're born of God, Obviously, he's going to teach according to the Bible, right? He's going to teach according to the message. And like I said on Sunday, uh, and let me, I think it bears repeating, that God is interested in the continuance of his work on the earth, even if he's not physically present. Right? God is interested in the continuance of his work, even if Brother Branham is not present. Nothing stopped except Brother Branham's ministry, when Brother Branham passed away. Nothing stopped. Are we okay? Because if a tree puts out a branch, the branch is going to be the same on the top as it was on the bottom. One just got there a little bit earlier, right? So I had to ask you the question, did the tree stop growing? Did it cease to, did it cease to excel when Brother Branham passed away? Did everything stop then? If so... If so, then I will tell you that Brother Bram's instruction surely would have been, hey, listen, folks, if anybody, anything happens to me, get yourself a good tape player and listen to everything I've said. And don't go anywhere beyond that. Don't do anything beyond outside of the scope of what I've told you here. And I'm the only one who has the message. The word of the Lord came to me. And just stop right there and get yourself a real good tape player. You can listen to it individually or in the church. It doesn't matter. But that's what you got to stay with right there. You know what? I would believe that if Brother Branham said it. But he never said it. Brother Bam said, I'm throwing out certain things here. And he says, you young man, he said, that are rising up. He said, you can take this on to the coming of the Lord and so on. I was one of those young men. Because the Holy Spirit has still work to do. How do I know? Because you're still here. And my job, my job, essentially, is not to be a warden over an old folks home. Where we just nurture people along in quietness. To me, my job is one that helps to bring out the character and qualities that God's placed in you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be what God ordained you to be in the last hour, representing what the bride of Christ really is. Now, hold on. Brother Bram said, I wonder what the church ought to look like. 
how pretty it ought to be at the coming of the Lord. Pretty, not like pretty, like the world thinks about pretty. But he says, I wonder what the church ought to look like. He said, its robe should be washed in the blood of the Lamb, and all the divine orders of God set perfectly in it. No friction, just waiting for that moment. God will have it that way. What a quote. What's God waiting for? In his eyes, the beauty of the church is the character of the people in it. Who are forgiven and they're following everything that God ordained and they have no friction. But you know why? Because they're all the people who are saved by grace. And when you're saved by grace, it is illogical for you to withhold grace from somebody else. Because it's grace that saved you and grace that saved them. You know what? That's the same grace. (laughs) And they have this one common expectation that they're waiting for the moment when God takes that church away. Our job is not horizontal. We're not to go out and convert the political parties. Thank God. We're not out there to sway elections one way or the other. Thank God. We're not out there to reform the educational system or any other system in the world. God has done. It's like it was in the days of Noah. In the eyes of God, it's already a done deal. Let's get out of here. God knows exactly who's going, and he's, he's pressurizing those people that are going, and God will have it that way. That is the way it's going down, folks. And the people of God, they catch that, and they're waiting for that moment. They're waiting for that moment when it actually happens. We've had, in modern events, 1965, we've had Elijah's coats and mantles and all kinds of nonsense, he said, that went off in organizationism and everything else. But there will come on this earth, by God's promise, a genuine servant of God, identified by God, by his word being the answer of this day that will set the bride in order, a real little minority of the church and take it up. Hey, folks, he's in 1965. In less than a month, he'll be in beyond the curtain of time. And he's still teaching the people what it means to have a prophet among them. See that? He's still instructing people that in the Bible, it promises that there will be in the last day a genuine servant of God who will raise up that will set the bride in order. And it will be a little minority, but that's what his job's going to be. His job's almost over, but he's still telling people what his job's going to be. Because this is the thing you need to know. This is why this message came. It did not come to start another denomination. It did not come to start another movement. It did not come to get people to say, well, we're of this and we're of that. That's not the point at all. The point is, was to prepare and is to prepare you, that little minority, to be taken up because you have that same expectation that's in the first paragraph right there that God's going to wrap this thing up and take everybody home. Now, all right. So therefore... I want to be that kind of a person that God can look to, and I want to be that kind of a person uh, that has a testimony, even if my name is not remembered. Now, with Brother Aaron and I, we have kind of a running thing here because uh, he's the patron saint of uh, Zimbabwe over there, and uh, making sure people get all those books and uh, the sound systems and the (laughs) new roofs and everything else. And I've seen the text, and I've had people from other parts of Africa saying, my, that brother Aaron's doing a great job. He's really doing a great job. And he is. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But I've told him before, it's not necessary at all that anybody knows who I am. 
or you know who who operates you know behind uh, the resources that are sent to different countries there it hey you know what that's not going to get me into heaven faster <laughs> it's not going to it's not going to change anything because you know what by grace we're all going to get there and if you have a revelation of what this is really all about, you're not concerned about trying to build a kingdom or attracting a following or whatever else. All of that stuff really is elementary. I mean, I consider it to be elementary. And so, therefore, it's not necessary that people know my name uh, or anybody, any other individual's name. We're working as a body now. We're working as a bride. And that bride has one interest, and that is that we want to get the message out because the message contains the things that we have need of in order to be ready and be dressed right in order to fit in in another kingdom that we're going to. Not this one, but in that kingdom over there, right? Would you agree? So in the meantime, we want to be this kind of a person here. Now I'm going to just give you a specific example. We find out through a, uh, through, though a good man, blessed of God, if God blesses you, stay in the category that God's called you in. The blessing of God doesn't give you a right to move around and become something God hasn't ordained you to be. So you remember the illustration of David when David was supposed to be out in the battle at the time when kings went out to battle, right? He let somebody else go out, and he was now faced with a battle he wasn't trained for because he was avoiding the place that he was trained for. And that's what got him in trouble. Now watch what he says. If it's a housewife, remain a housewife. If it's a business, remain in that business, reflecting God. And whatever God has called you to, let it be that. Whatever God has called you to, be satisfied with that. Because he wants you to be a real housewife, watch, to reflect your influence upon another person that would want to be a good housewife. Wow. So if God's got a... God's got a minister, and that minister has a degree of success in the sense that, uh, you know, he's got a thriving church, church is preaching truth, and the church is growing and so forth. You know what? There may be somebody else in that church who is going to be a pastor one day, and he needs to see how a thriving church operates. The best thing I can do is stay with the thing God's called me to do. And to watch that. I remember years ago, Brother Hildebrand told me, because I was, uh, when I was living up in Ohio and I was, you know, I was uh, traveling with him and so on. And he encouraged me. He said, uh, he said, you want to watch in your ministry what God is blessing. What part of it God's blessing. There are some people who are true evangelists. I believe Brother Tim here is a real true evangelist. And, uh, you know, even, even struggling with the disease that he has had, uh, I, I believe that, uh, you know, he, he told me, he said, sitting there, he said, Brother Barry, I just can't stay still. He said, I just got to get out and preach and minister the word. Brother Tim, we love you sitting here in the church, and, and you're a great person to preach to, and I love to preach to you. But I turn around, somebody's left the door unlocked. Brother Tim's in Michigan, and then he's in Arizona, and then he's in some other place because he's just got that passion to do that. And he's not trying to be a pastor. He's a real evangelist. And if we sent him home, uh, he'd be off to Liberia, and he'd be off to, uh, you know, uh, Nigeria. He'd be off to different places because that's, that's, God placed that in him. And he's blessed. Let me tell you, he's blessed because he stays in that calling that God's given to him. And that is so wonderful. To me, to me and to God, that's a wonderful thing. And he says, he wants you to be a real housewife, to reflect your influence upon another person that would want to be a good housewife. Well, my goodness, start at home. 
If God's called you to be a father, like I said on Sunday, you know, I was talking about Pete. Lucas wasn't here, so uh, I was talking about being a father to Pete. You know what? I'm supposed to be a father to Pete. Does that mean that Peter doesn't know as much as me? Absolutely not. I mean, it's almost embarrassing how much I go to my guys for information, for help, for this. You know, I got, I got this update. What do I do? And where, where do I push the button? Do I push the button or not? It, it's almost embarrassing how much I go. It's not, it has nothing to do with knowledge. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, popularity or anything like, at all like that. I'm called in a certain role. And I need to remain in that role because, you know what, I, I... Whether I like it or not, whether I agree to it or not, I'm an influence on my sons being a good father as well. And they watch, and they have watched over the years. Not that I haven't made mistakes, but that nonetheless, I'm called to do a certain thing. And he says we're responsible to God for our lives and for our experience with Christ. So God's given you a calling. God's given you a blessing on your life. God's, God's fulfilled something through you. He says stay with that. You're responsible to stay with that. And he said, and that's what we need today as a church, that he won't be ashamed for anyone to come into. Can I say that again? That's what we need today as a church, that he wouldn't be ashamed for anyone to come into. I got a sinner out there in Hickory, and I think there's still a few out there. And I'd like to be able to lead him somewhere. I'd like to be able to lead her somewhere. Where can I send them? May God help us always to be a place. That sinners could find an altar. That sinners could find a place to come. That people could find a place of repentance. That people could find a welcoming hand uh, to lead them in the way they should go. May we always be that kind of a people. And it's perfectly governed by the Holy Spirit. Wow, look at this church. A church that he wouldn't be ashamed for anyone to come into. It's perfectly governed by the Holy Spirit. No fanaticism in there. No starchy in there. Just a good, warm, warm church filled with God's spirit, good, solid, gospel-teaching pastors. That's what we need. God, help us to have it. God wants us to have it. Wow. Huh. So I asked you a little bit earlier if you could think of some person who you would want to emulate or somebody you would want to be like, a hero in the Bible. Did everybody pick one? I know most of you are scrambling now. I forgot, I forgot I got to pick one. Did anybody here pick Titus? Nobody picked Titus. Most people would never pick Titus. Because Titus, in a sense, he's a hard fellow to really know anything about. There's only 13 references to Titus in the scripture. There's only 46 verses in the book of Titus. There's no record of his origin, how he came to know the Lord, or how he came to know Paul. And there's nothing ever recorded about anything he ever said. We don't have any record of anything Titus ever said. Huh. So it would not be surprising that nobody picked Titus as a hero. But I will tell you something, that Titus had some great qualities that I would like to have if I went on farther in life. Now, Paul referred to him, interestingly enough, as mine own son after the common faith. So let's look at the rest of this this way. Not for what Titus has said, but for what others have said about him. All right? Let's look at it that way. If Titus didn't say anything, let's find out what is said about him. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith, 
which means probably, and I'm just surmising here, that he was birthed under Paul's ministry. And I'm assuming that. Uh, that's why he refers to him as a son after the common faith. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are saved. This is the beginning of the book of Titus here. So this is the way that Paul refers to him. And I want you to notice what is said about Titus here as we go forward. And if you don't mind, take your Bible here for a moment. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's look at a man now who uh, took the vision and ran with it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Everybody still here? All right, just a little study here. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here because I think there's uh, some interesting things here that we can, uh, we can begin to develop here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and these writings here about Titus. Now watch verse 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. Now Paul is dealing with the Greeks here, and he's talking to the Corinthian church. Titus became a pastor on the Isle of Crete. And they say he died there. There is a town on the island of Crete uh, that bears uh, a memorial because they say he died here. I don't think they really know. Nobody really knows. But he became the pastor of that church and stayed there for the rest of his life. And Paul, is, is he's in prison at different points here in the, in the writing of the New Testament, and he's sending brothers to respond to different situations in churches there because he has these men who are like-minded as him. And he says, But I thank God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you, for indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward uh, of his own accord, he went unto you. So in other words, I didn't have to persuade Titus to go to you. He had it on his heart to come to you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, not that only, but who also was chosen of the churches to travel with us by this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. We brought along others as well, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Now, the language is a little different, but Paul is saying we're bringing an offering to the church here. And he says we brought people along because we did not want anybody to think that we took advantage of the abundance that was given for you. So it would be like me, uh, you know, taking money that uh, somebody gave for Ukraine, and I took it myself and bought myself a new car. That would be absolutely hypocritical. But... Paul is saying that we have this money, we're transparent with it, and he says we're, we're doing what, what it is intended for, and he says Titus has come along, this other brother has come along, proving that for honest things, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have nothing to hide here. 22, and we have sent them with our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, He is my partner and my fellow helper concerning you. If anybody asks you about Titus and why he's coming, you tell him that he's my fellow helper. The word fellow helper there means it's a phrase that relates to like a nurse or somebody who assists somebody who's in, in need. The word Titus literally means nurse. That this guy is a helper. He's one who goes when somebody has a need and he's there. And Paul says, if anybody asks you about Titus, he says, you tell them he's my partner and he's my fellow helper. What a compliment to be given to somebody. We don't have any idea what, what Titus has ever said. But the way Paul speaks about him is pretty, uh, pretty complimentary. 
or your brethren he be inquired of. They are messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of your boasting in our behalf. There's two things about Titus that I want you to take note of. I've only got a couple of minutes. One of them is the Jerusalem Council, which took place in Acts chapter 15. And the other one was when Titus uh, is sent to the church and installed as a pastor. Let's look at the first one here for a few moments. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, Then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Now let me paraphrase for you. The Jerusalem Council was... Uh, the time when there was people who came into the church in Jerusalem and said, you know what, there's no way that uh, somebody can come into the faith now and not be circumcised. They still have to go through the ordinances of the law in order to really uh, be a part of the body of Christ. And that's, that's where they came in. And they sowed this among the people to the extent where the disciples, like James and John and so forth, they were debating this in Jerusalem. And, and if they were successful in debating that, and that was a, it was a false doctrine, obviously, right? It was a false doctrine. But if, if they won that argument, then you know what? They would have excluded Paul. They would have excluded a lot of these converts like Cornelius and all the other ones that came in who were not Jews back in that day. So Paul goes to Jerusalem and he shows up there and he has Barnabas with him and he says, and I'll bring Titus along too. And Barnabas and Titus were both Greeks. They were Gentiles. And Paul says, I want you to know that I've got examples of what the new birth will actually produce in somebody. And these men are not circumcised. They're not Jews. And they're not following the law. But now they're walking according to the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. And I want you to examine these men and tell me whether they got the real thing or not. And he says, I'll bring Barnabas and Titus. Paul could have brought a lot of people, but he says, I'm going to bring those two because they have the evidence fruit of a real genuine new birth. And I'm, listen, if I'm going to bring anybody, I'll bring these two guys and stand them up there in front of the council and say, ask these guys any question. Examine their life. Look at their social media. Look at their life. Look at the way they conduct themselves. Look at anything about them and tell me whether they got the real thing or not. Of all the people that Paul decides to bring, he says, I'll bring Titus and I'll bring Barnabas. Ah, now, listen to what Brother Branham said. And every person that enters into the baptism of the Holy Spirit can have the same kind of Holy Ghost that they got on the day of Pentecost. Somebody say amen. He said, I believe that is God's truth. Not something that looked like it, but the real thing. And the same kind of Holy Ghost that fell back there falls now. The same kind. The real Holy Ghost brings forth the same kind of an evidence and a proof they had back there comes with the same Holy Ghost. Paul says, in other words, there's something about Titus and Barnabas that they got what I got. And I got what they got. And he knew there was a camaraderie, there was a a connection between what was going on in Paul's life and what was going on in theirs life. You know why? Because it's not a different Holy Ghost. It's not a separate event altogether. It's not a not a uh, an early church Holy Ghost and a Dark Ages Holy Ghost and a end time Holy Ghost. It's all the same Holy Ghost. How many would agree? 
And this is what Brother Branham is telling us right here. He said, if it's, if it fell back there, he said, it's the same Holy Spirit. It's going to baptize somebody over here and they're going to produce fruits in their life. Now, the expression of that seed is going to be different based on what God's called you to do because he's given every one of us a calling. And obviously a housewife is going to react or express herself differently than a preacher would do, right? So we have, uh, you know, we have a housewife here. We have uh, somebody who's a school teacher here. That's going to be different than Brother Tim or Brother Aaron here, uh, you know, who go out and minister in a certain way. And they're wired a certain way. And you know what? No complaints. That's the way God made me. That's the way God uh, chose me and predestinated me. But I've got the same Holy Ghost and the same fruit of love that shows up in them. That's the same fruit of love that shows up in the housewife. It shows up in me and you and everybody else. Those fruits of the Spirit are still going to be there. And Paul says, if I'm going to take anybody, let me take these two guys. He said, because I have no doubt. Whether they got it, because they got the same thing I got. And he says, oh, I feel it right now. That's right. He said, it's real. Just as real as it ever was to me. The same Holy Spirit fell back there on the day of Pentecost. There are dozens of quotes where Brother Branham says exactly the same thing. It doesn't mean that you had to be a certain way. It just means that you had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I might get in trouble for saying this, but you know what? I don't mind at all because Brother Branham said it first. Watch what he says. And today we base our soul almost upon somebody who can preach like a fireball or somebody who can heal the hands on the sick and get them well. He said, well, base our, imagine basing your salvation on that. And here are people that rose up in Brother Branham's day who, you know, wanted to be more fiery and more exciting and everything else and have a bigger crowd, bigger following, bigger tent. Because that was the thing back in that day to have the bigger tent. Who's got the 5,000 seat tent? Who's got the 7,500 seat tent? And so on. And he said, and they, they come out with a gift or whatever else. He said that doesn't mean anything yet. And upon somebody who dances in the spirit or shouts of victory, that don't mean anything yet. Not a thing. Upon emotions, you can't rely on that. Although that's all right, that goes with it. Are we okay? I believe this 1,000%. You can't base your salvation on it, but you know what? If you ever have an encounter with God and a new birth, which is the same thing, if you have a new birth, let me tell you, you're going to feel it. You're going to know it. You're going to respond to it. You're going to have a different view of life, right? Some people are still trying to find one of those 3D super uh, scenes that are they're trying to look and see the shark inside of it there. And you know what you got to do? What I learned, you got to do, like I said on Sunday, you got to change your seeing. you got to change the way that you look at something. That's actually how you do it. And I, I, I had to learn. I had to figure out how to do it, see if it was really real. And it was really real because I saw the shark. And uh, let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you people that were not here Sunday, see, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I will tell you this, that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when a person's born again, they begin to see things differently. I mean, they see the world differently. They see money differently. They see the opposite sex differently. They see uh, church differently. They see the Bible differently. They see, uh, you know, what, what they should obey and what they should not obey. They see it all differently. And Brother Bram says, that don't mean a thing yet, because you can be in a crowd and be like that crowd very easily because you can get a crowd anointing. Right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that's an evil thing. I'm just saying that that's a fact of life, because you can be influenced that way. And uh, for those of you that are at the men's meeting, we're talking about January 6th there. He said, that don't mean a thing. Upon emotions, you can rely on that, although that's all it goes with it. But you've got to get the real thing first. Let me tell you, it only attracts the attention of God. God considers that to be right. God considers that to be true or usable only when you get the real thing first. In other words, that person's got the life of Christ in him. The Holy Spirit can use that. He can lead that. He can guide that. And he can speak through that. 
And he can, he can accomplish things through that when they got the real thing, when they got the life of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, God's not interested in using berry coffee. He's interested in using Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's not interested necessarily in using you. He wants to use the Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you. That's what he wants. And so therefore, if you're called to be a housewife, be that, stay with that until God moves you on to something else, right? Because there's probably somebody else wants to learn what it's like to have the Holy Ghost and be a housewife at the same time. God's interested in displaying that to the world or maybe to some individual like a daughter, granddaughter or whatever else. Somebody in the church needs to see that. I'll tell you what, I believe it would be a good thing if God anoints you to pray. I believe it would be a good thing for you to pray with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with everything that's in you, because you know who you're speaking to. And I would encourage you, if you're not a prayer, uh, to find a place to get alone with God and just speak to Him and pray. Because there's other young people here who need to listen to somebody who knows how to pray. That may seem funny because you think, well, it's automatic. There are things that, uh, there, there are things that we learn by watching and, and experiencing other people as they go through it. And there are things that we see other, other people do. It, it makes an impression on us. And Brother Bam's saying, you don't want to fall back on something like that, you know, emotion or, uh, just the size of the crowd or the, the volume of the crowd. I mean, I, we could go back to the quote here where Brother Bam said, teaching pastors. He said, that's what God wants. Teaching pastors are not always uh, fireballs that have, uh, you know, uh, uh, huge prayer lines every, every service or anything. Not that there's a thing wrong in the world wrong with it. But I will tell you something. We're all anointed to do something specific for God. And God, no matter, no matter who you are, God's got you looking to somebody to learn something so that we can become more in view, more in line with God's order. Because anything outside of God's order is going to fail. But the whole thing begins with a new birth. And you've got to get the real thing first. And then you watch what God does. And I'm saying this, that when you think about a guy like Titus, we don't find anywhere where his words are included in the Bible at all. But I've got all kinds of examples of scripture like that, 13 different places there, where he's talked about, not in any negative way, but he's talked about, I needed to send somebody, I sent Titus. We need to bring somebody to Jerusalem, I'll bring Titus and Barnabas. And uh, in, in the in the church in uh, in Corinth, there, Paul says, you know, he says, you, you you struggle with this. I sent you a letter by my own hand, and he's in prison, and he takes Titus, and he says, Titus, you bring it to them, and you speak to them, and God drops something in the heart of Titus. He's got the same burden for that church as Paul does, and that's the kind of man that Titus was. I'd like to be that kind of man. Whether anybody in the world knows my name, that's irrelevant. Whether anybody knows who I am, that's irrelevant. What is important is that I leave a legacy. Somebody who God could lead, God could use, God could speak through, God could love through. But God could take that man and put him here, and he'd fulfill his, God's will for that person. Let's stand to our feet. Those are men of vision because they're following the vision. They're not following the, the crowd. They're not following the, the, the noise. They're not following the benefits or the rewards. They're not following any of that. They're, they're men of vision. God's, God's got something impressed upon their heart. And hey... Titus, he shows up and he says, Lord, I will submit myself to you however you want to use me. He goes to Paul. Paul says, hey, here's a, here's a person who's like-minded. My own son in the common faith. And he says, here's a job. Here's a, here's a journey. Here's, a, here's a, a role to play. Here's some, and Paul is as, a, as the prophet of the age. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like you showing up at Jeffersonville if Brother Branham was still alive and Brother Branham says, hey, I need you to go visit a certain country. It's certain churches over there. They're fighting against a particular doctrine. And I need somebody to go. 
No, you'd be honored to go. I'd like to be that kind of a person that God would say, oh, here's a man I could put my hand on. Here's a church I can send sinners to. Here's a people that I can let that person come right in the middle of. I would want to be that kind of person. I'd want to have that kind of church. I'd want to be a part of that kind of a church. A church that's in order, perfectly following the orders of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a responsibility. Responsibility is not all just on the pastor. The responsibility is on all of us. And the way we get more from God so that things get better, we hear, we obey, we apply, and we move on. We move on. Open my eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch Him and say that we love Open our ears, Lord. Help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see. Sing it again now. Yes, open our eyes, Lord. See? See Jesus reach out and touch Thank you, Lord. And say that we love Him. Open our ears, Lord. Help us to listen. Open our have a maker he formed my heart and before even time began my life was in his hand do you believe that tonight he knows my name, and He knows my every thought, and He sees each tear that falls, 
believe that tonight? Sing it now. Oh, He knows. Yes, He knows my name. And He knows my every thought. And He sees each tear that falls. And He hears me when. Sing that chorus again now. He knows my name. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, He knows, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. Heavenly Father, we believe that you are so big, that you're above everything that exists. But we also believe that you can become so small, that you can become concerned about the very small things in our lives. And you're a God who always has an answer. You know what's happening in our hearts and our lives. Now, Lord, I believe you're shaping and molding your people, Lord, not for this kingdom, not for this world. But, Lord, I believe you're dressing us and preparing us for the land ahead. Lord, I just say tonight, with this people, have your way. Have your way among us, Lord. Call us and teach us and show us your way, Lord. And help us to fulfill the calling that you placed upon our heart. And may, Lord, we remain steadfast in that calling. Fulfilling everything, Lord, that is required of us. For, Father, we live to please you. And we thank you, Lord, that we are called. Because what follows the calling of the bride and the change of the bride is not what we would wish for anyone. But, Lord, we are thankful that you have drawn us out of the kingdom of darkness and into your marvelous light. Now have your way, Lord, we pray. Heal those that need healing tonight. Lord, may your grace minister, Lord, to every heart and every soul. Father, we we pray, and Lord, I know there's many people, Lord, who just would long to break through, Lord, and sometimes break through fears and break through just sometimes a reluctance. and Lord, they're self-doubting and all the other things, Lord, that are there sometimes, Lord, to hold us back. Lord, may you give breakthrough to those that really desire it tonight and we want to be like those that are found Lord as we read in Mark chapter 4 that the same measure that we mean it out it shall be given to us again Lord we just want to be hearers and doers and apply the word to our hearts help us now through the balance of our week we commit it to you and we pray Lord that you would protect your children watch over each family that's represented here Lord may you bring strength to those who are needed And Father, we'll give you the glory and honor in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Sing it as you go tonight. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. 
Yes, He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. 